Welcome to The Wrap, a weekly podcast covering women's sports news. Bez, what have we got around the grounds this week? Taking a look around the grounds for the first time ever, two Aussies are into the final of a World Champs Middle Distance event. Plus, Taliqua and Maria Fay win beach volleyball gold in Portugal. For our key story, we'll discuss the LPGA player's powerful statement around the overturning of Roe v. Wade in the US. My name is Chloe Dalton. I'm an Olympic gold medalist and play AFLW for the GWS Giants. Every week on the show, I'm joined by my co-host, Bez, Chief Researcher and Queen of Merchandise at the Female Athlete Project. This is going to be our last one for a little while, Bez. Yeah, going on holidays. Where are you going? Italy. Like everyone. Like the rest of the world. I'm so mad about it. Well, I'm not. Favourite pasta? Oh, I'm not sure I have a favourite one. It's like asking to choose a favourite child. Did I tell you mine? Go. <laughs> There's this place in Minori on the Amalfi Coast, which I've told you to go to, and if you don't, I'll be disappointed. You've told me about 14 times you haven't sent me a single thing, as if I'm going to remember two and a half weeks into my holiday after 17,000 litres of Chianti Yum. that you told me about somewhere. Because that's why your research, Beth, <laughs> because you send the links and I forget to send the links. It's... I don't want to tell everyone about it, but I will tell you about it. And this, it's this Italian man out the front who tries to get everyone into the restaurant and his mum is out the back hand rolling this marinara pasta. It's the best thing I've ever eaten. I was eating it for breakfast when I was there. I just want all the nonnas to make me all of the foods. Yeah, amazing. This podcast usually drops every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. While Bez is away, so Bez is going to be away, we're going to have a bit of a three-week holiday. I contemplated carrying the team but I can't do the research on my own. So we're just taking a break for three weeks. So um, in the meantime, we've got a bit of a special surprise for you. There's going to be an exclusive interview with the one and only, the best, I would argue, one of the best athletes in the world at the moment, Sam Kerr. Yeah, I don't think you'd have to argue that. I think that's fact, friend. Great. Fact. Fact. It was pretty bloody cool sitting down and having the chance to chat to her. We'll chat about it a little bit later in this week's episode, but that'll keep you guys entertained while Bez is off. I just want to know how big the trophy cabinet is. I asked the question. You're going to have to listen to the podcast. Let's take a look around the grounds. In hockey, the Hockey Roos have finished third in the World Cup, overcoming a strong German side 2-1 to take home the bronze medal. The only loss for the Hockey Roos came in the semifinal against the eventual champions, the Netherlands, and the young team will head to the Com Games full of confidence. Germany opened the scoring in the 14th minute and the Aussies left it until the fourth quarter to get on the score sheet with Steph Kershaw scoring twice to complete the comeback. Goalie Jocelyn Bartram produced a player of the match performance in goal, pulling off a string of world-class saves to repel numerous German attacks. Um, The skipper Jane Claxton was looking to the future with plenty of optimism post-match when she said, out of this tournament, we can't doubt ourselves. We have a young team. But also, we now have some experience so we can move on to future tournaments with more confidence of what we can achieve. The Dutch women, who beat Australia 1-0 in their semi, went on to beat the Argentinians 3-1 in a repeat of their Olympic final triumph and lift the title for the third time in succession. They're pretty good, the Dutch, aren't they? They can play the hockey, the Dutchies. Mm -hmm. In athletics, the world champs are underway in Eugene, Oregon, and the Aussie girls are killing it. Overnight on Sunday, Eleanor Patterson and Olympic silver medalist Nicola Olaslagas, Nee McDermott, qualified for the high jump final. She recently got married, as we saw on her Instagram. 
Patterson finished fifth at the Tokyo Olympics and looked really strong at the world champs. She cleared all four of her qualifying heights at the first attempt to qualify. Olis Lagas did it a little bit tougher. She needed two attempts to get over at 1.9 metres and she had a pretty clutch clearance at 1.93 to stay alive in the competition. Her pre-jump routine at the Tokyo Olympics brought a lot of joy to everyone that watched it, I would say. Um, And she referenced the absence of theatre after she qualified. She said, before that third attempt at 1.93, I thought, you're not in the final if you don't get this. I'm the most colourful athlete I know. And when there are no shouts, no claps and just silence, I felt in that moment that whatever happens, I just have to put all my energy into getting my body over that bar. Then I got over it and I just started crying. Her visible emotion and joy when competing makes her pretty compelling viewing. You had a chat to her um, in season two Mm. of the podcast and you obviously spoke about that routine and her um, journaling that she basically does on the sideline, question mark? I don't know. What do we call it, that thing that they sit under in between their jumps? I don't think athletes have a a sideline. I think it's a bus stop. Yes, when she's in the bus stop. She does journaling in her bus stop. Um, (laughs) Waiting to catch the bus over two meters. Yeah, I would <laughs> jump over a bus. That's two. The buses are high. It's a Toyota Hilux. I think we did that on Instagram. Yeah, which is about a normal bus, just not definitely one of those little cute buses on the northern beaches these days. They're my favorite. Producer Bailey, can we get one of those and check the height oh, of those? So much. They're like micro machines. <laughs> um, so anyway, I would love to know what she would have been, <laughs> what she was writing in her um, journaling whilst in that clutch situation. Maybe while you're lying on the beach on the Amalfi Coast, you can listen to the Nicola McDermott podcast. In the 1500 metre, all three Aussie runners progressed to the semifinals with Jess Hull, the standout. She finished a comfortable third place in the semi in a time of 4.01.81. Again, I haven't nailed that time announcement. You reckon that's right? Yeah, you nailed that. Lyndon Hall missed out on the final. Unfortunately, she came ninth in semifinal one and semifinal two was a pretty rugged affair. Georgia Griffith gave as good as she got it and finished fourth in 405.16. Did you, have you seen the footage of it? No, I haven't seen it. Shoulder to shoulder. It was it great. It gets a bit argy-bargy in there, doesn't it? Love it. Contact sport running. <laughs> First time ever <laughs> that it's ever been called that. So she made the final and Hull friend of the podcast looked super comfortable and she's a real chance heading into the final at what is her home college track. She said after the race, now I just recover as best I can and give myself a real shot. That's the big difference this year. I have a shot. Previously I was hanging on and now it's like, hey, I can be a player in this game. The training that I've banked in June has just been remarkable and I'm really excited to see that come to fruition. It will be the first time two Aussies, male or female, have qualified for a world champs middle distance final. That's a pretty cool stat, isn't it? Amazing. And I love to hear that self-belief from Jess. Mm. We talked about last week some of the controversy controversy around the selection policy from Athletics Australia, but looking at the way that they've performed at the world champs, these athletes, I think it's just I mean, feeling for the athletes that didn't get selected because of it, but it's great to see the future of middle distance running for Australian female athletes in very good hands. Absolutely. All three in the semifinals. And Lyndon Hall actually led that semifinal number one for Mm. a fair while, just died in the bottom, shall we say. You guys can watch the final. It's going to be Tuesday today if you're listening today. Lunchtime, 12.50 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. That's some good sandwich. Oh, see there. That's some – oh, come on, Jess Hull. 
and Georgia Griffith. And also over the weekend, Jemima Montag finished an impressive fourth in the women's 20-kilometre walk. It was a fast race with Montag's time of one hour, 28 minutes and 17 seconds for fourth, being quick enough to have won gold at five of the previous 11 world championships. She was stoked after the race. And I really like this quote from her. I think that fourth rocks. It doesn't suck. Who told her it sucks? I think there was some chat around. She was talking about little A's and how, you know, everyone in little A's was like, if you didn't get a medal, fourth sucks. The first one without a medal. She's like, I think fourth rocks. Like the first loser. Well, second's the first loser. Exactly. I kind of like bronze though. It's dirty gold. (laughs) In surfing, Tyler Wright stormed back onto the world tour after COVID and visa issues but fell just short of a win at J-Bay on the weekend. It was an all-Aussie semi-final with Wright getting the best of Steph Gilmore in epic conditions in South Africa. Tatiana Weston-Webb was her final opponent and the Brazilian just edged Wright out, winning 17.5 to 15.6. Do you know what's tricky about surfing? Mm. I was at your house and you cooked a delicious roast pork Mm. while we watched the surfing. And it's tricky that it goes for half an hour because I went to the toilet for a very short one minute and I came back and I missed Tyler's best wave. Rookie move. I love the surfing. I watch a lot of it, but I do find myself double screening in it because- you got to wait for the good set to come in. That's right. Yeah. There's a lot of filler. There's a lot of filler. You and I'd be great at commentating surfing. (laughs) I think we'd suck. We'd end up in a lot of very erroneous tangents. Um, Word. Both surfers were super impressive in that final, um, even though Chloe missed the wave of the day from Tyler, and the result moved right up to seventh in the rankings. She has to finish in the top five to qualify for that finals event, and what better place to do that than at the epic wave of Chaupu in Tahiti. Steph Gilmore currently sits in fourth and Isabella Nichols in ninth. So Chapu is the last stop before the finals and the huge hollow pits will test all the surfers on a tour. It kicks off on August 11th. And just putting it out there, if you've never watched surfing before, if it's just not something you've ever really gotten into, watching this event in Tahiti, it provided the surfing gods do their job, it will blow your mind. Mm. This is a it's a freak of nature, this, this wave what basically the, these huge swells roll across the Pacific and because of the reef, the, it just drops away and the, the swells just sit up and crash. It's just, I'm, I better explain that really poorly, but basically <laughs> it's just. I'm so enjoying watching your face trying to find the right surfing yeah, lingo. I just really sucked at that. But look, it's, it is. It's, if, you, if you're going to watch any surfing, tune into Chow Poo. It's amazing. Well done. Eat a bag. <laughs> In cricket, the Australian team are in Northern Ireland for a T20 Com Games warm-up series against Pakistan and Ireland. They're scheduled to play four matches, but unfortunately the first match against Pakistan was rained out. It was a better result on the Monday morning. The Aussies got some quality time on field against the hosts. It was a pretty dominant display from the world champs. They bowled first and restricted Ireland to 99 runs from their 20 overs. It was a double-pronged attack of pace bowler Darcy Brown, who took two for nine, and leg spinner Alana King, who took three for nine, that did the damage. The only blemish in the run chase was Elisa Healy, who was caught at mid-off for 10 in the fifth over. But there were no such issues for Beth Mooney, who had 45 off 33, and Meg Lanning with 39 off 33, who steered the Aussies past Ireland's total with 7.1 overs remaining, so a pretty comfortable win for the Aussies. In Rugby League, 
The Undercats got the cat biscuits on the weekend when the West Tigers claimed their first Harvey Norman New South Wales Women's Premiership trophy in a thrilling 21 to 20 Golden Point win over the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks at Campbelltown Stadium. That was a really long sentence, and I had to wait a long time to say that was probably your worst ever. Well, look, I just, I know how much you love cats. I hate cats. I really wanted to bring my cat with me for my last recording for three weeks. But she stayed at home. Poor Philip. <laughs> uh, it could not have been tighter with both teams locked at 14 all after normal time. Sam Brenner looked to have won the match for the Sharks in the additional 10 minutes of extra time, but the Tigers refused to give in and centre Keely Brown grabbed her second try of the game before Emily Curtin landed the difficult conversion to lock the scores up again. The game then went into Golden Point extra time at 20 all, and it was Tigers halfback Emily Curtin who broke the deadlock, banging over a field goal in Golden Point to spark the celebrations. She was named player of the match, and New South Wales Blues and Tigers centre Jess Sergis paid credit to halfback after the match, saying, that is probably the hardest game of football and the longest game I've played in a very, very long time. It was a rollercoaster in motion. How good is women's football? I just knew my role. It was to try and get as close as I could to the post and get a quick play the ball. And my job's easy. Emily Curtin, she had to slot both of those goals and she did. She's tremendous and she really deserves to have that game. She's a legend. Well done, Emily. Sorry, I saw some really cool photos from, I think, Kezi App's Instagram Mm -hmm. of the moment that the field goal went over. It was pretty cool, the players on the bench. Yeah, she, she drained it. Yeah, it was impressive. In beach volleyball, Taliqua Clancy and Maria Faye Artacho del Sola secured their first win of the season at the World Beach Pro Tour on Sunday in Espino, Portugal. The Tokyo Olympic silver medalists had to grind and come from behind to defeat Americans Corinne Quiggle and Sarah Shermerhorn in the three-set 1921-21-19-15-12 gold medal match. It was a welcome victory on the tour for the Aussies after silver in May and a bronze medal at last week's Elite 16. Clancy said after the match, this is our second time here and our second victory in Espino, so we're really grateful. It's really testing conditions, but it's also great to play on a beach. Isn't that funny? Because mm. I guess a lot of them are artificial stadiums. Yeah, well, in at the Com Games, I'm just stealing some of your story here, mm. but they'll be playing beach volleyball in the middle of Birmingham. I've been to Birmingham. Not a lot of beach. Not a lot of beach going on. Mm. Sorry, I'm going to continue the quote from Taliqua after that side note. We're very happy that we played a good match against the Americans. They definitely made us sweat. Last week we were third and it's great that we got to win this week. Before we jump into the key story for this week, last week I had the chance to catch up with the incredible Sam Kerr in Melbourne, thanks to Nike. It was a pretty incredible experience um, and we're going to give you a little taster of it right now. It's going to drop next Tuesday morning at 6am to replace the wrap while Bez is off drinking red wine. It's only Sam Kerr that I would allow to replace us. That's fair. It's pretty valid, actually. She's pretty much the only one, so <laughs> have at it, Sam. <laughs> Do you remember your debut for the Matildas? Yeah, not very well though. I think that's the one game that I wish that I could probably replay because now I watch all the young kids come up and um, their experience, their first game, how much it means to them, having their family there, Um, what women's football is now. It's obviously amazing, but I was just like, I don't really belong here. I kind of like had that imposter syndrome, you know, I was like, oh my God, I, I shouldn't be here. Like I haven't trained hard enough for this and 
Not, I told none of my family to come, no family there. Um, what, they weren't allowed to? No, they just. I just never thought I'd play. I was just like, I'm not going to play, so don't come. So no one came. And then back in those days, it was when Perth used to see everything delayed. So the game happened and they didn't see it for three hours later. <laughs> so, yeah, no one saw it live, no one nothing, no one watched. Let's take a look at the key story. Late last month, some of the best female professional golfers in the world teed it up for the second round of the KPMG Women's PGA Championship just minutes from Washington, D.C. The Supreme Court overturned landmark Roe v. Wade decision that protected a woman's constitutional right to abortion. The ruling prompted a chorus of statements from athletes on social media from all over America. And along with the athlete response, a number of sporting bodies also released statements expressing their disappointment with the Supreme Court's decision. One of the sporting bodies a little slow on the response was the LPGA, who released a statement just over 24 hours later, which actually didn't mention reproductive rights or abortion, but rather highlighted that important women's rights issues were now being addressed at the state level. And wasn't the component of it they, they said was just about a woman's right to vote? Part of it, yeah. It's, it, was, it was a very confusing statement. So six-year LPGA Tour veteran Lauren Kim and 2014 US Women's Open champion Michelle Wee West started talking, and those conversations set off a chain of events that resulted in over 20 LPGA players sharing a statement three days later that decried the decision made by the Supreme Court and advocated for women's reproductive rights as human rights. Australian golfing royalty Carrie Webb was one of the many golfers who reshared the post released by the players. American golfer Mariah Stackhouse, who was one of eight black players in the 72-year history of the LPGA, appeared at the Renee Powell Clearview Legacy Benefit the day after the LPGA released their statement. Speaking at the benefit, Stackhouse called out the LPGA saying, when you look at the juxtaposition of that and the LPGA non-statement that they put out regarding Roe v. Wade, I feel like as a woman's organization, it's incredibly important to be bold. Oftentimes, we as women are the only people that are going to speak for us as women. We talk a lot about equality on the LPGA tour, raising our purses, the disparity between the opportunities that men and women have in golf, the pay opportunities, financial limits men and women have. We're always talking about the importance of progression. And so when you have a ruling like this, where we've regressed to 50 plus years in the past, to read a statement that felt timid, fearful, a statement that held none of the attributes that go with unapologetic boldness and affirmation towards a woman's rights to complete autonomy over our personal choices, that was very disappointing. That's some impressively strong words from Stackhouse. Uh, you almost get shivers reading that. It was yeah. pretty cool. Amazing. So the player's statement was appreciated by the LPGA commissioner, Marco Saman, who stated our players are leaders and role models, and I'm proud that they use their platforms to advocate on this important issue as we encourage them to do in our statement on June 25th. So while Saman can be seen as responsible for the insipid statement from the LPGA, she was in fact grateful that the players understood the LPGA's need for neutrality given the current political climate and the fact that its members maybe do not all share the same views. But it has to be said that the tour's silence during the apex of the crisis created some of the loudest noise in women's sports from those players. Isn't it interesting that when, yeah, you could tell by the fact that they didn't really put a statement out that from the top level there was probably some concern around it, but it actually reflects so much more poorly when you don't say anything at all. 
silence mm. is deafening. Mm. And I love what we're starting to see here. I love, I love that quote from Stackhouse. But also on that, we saw Megan Rapino come out. Um, she was almost the, the face of all of the USWNT statements um, after the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I, I watched a 15-minute video, I think. She was almost sitting in the press room mm. chatting and we're starting to see this shift where the players do actually become the voices and, and the advocates rather than the organisations necessarily doing it themselves. Yeah, I think, and we've seen it not just in regards to Roe v. Wade, but other political and, and not political um, issues of the time. It, we were talking earlier about how the Matildas all released that joint player statement in and around the the questioning of the the culture of the Matildas with the Lisa Devana case. Um, that was a, a fairly strong example of of players using their voice to share how they felt about something, and not necessarily. Um, towing the body, the sporting body's line, I guess, in a way. Yeah, I think I love to see that players have more courage in this space. Yeah, well, and it affects the players. Mm. These are things that are obviously, you know, directly related to it, to the female athlete, and they should absolutely have their say. Let's take a look at what to watch. The Aussie cricket team completes their preparations for the Com Games with matches against Ireland on Friday morning and Pakistan on Sunday morning. Both matches start at 1am Australian Eastern Standard Time and you can watch live on Foxtel and KO. Or maybe the second innings, a little bit friendlier time. A little bit. Uh, the Athletics World Champs continues all week and you can watch it all live and free from the US on SBS On Demand. The Commonwealth Games are only 10 days away, kicking off on the 29th of July and all 12 days of competition will be live on the Seven Network. Make sure you keep an eye on our socials for key events, schedule, results and highlights. The whole kit and caboodle. How good. I'm a bit sad that I'm going to be away for the Com Games, although I will be in the correct time zone, so that's convenient. Yeah, you've actually nailed that. Yeah. Um, enjoy your holiday. Thank you for all of the hours and hours and hours that you put into making the RAP and TFAP function as it does. Have a good time off and I'll enjoy Sam Kerr taking your position for next week. <laughs> you can take my microphone any day. <laughs> That's the wrap. <laughs>